golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of Ultimate I-4 in the house, Holly G, on a bonus night of the Golf Insiders, normally on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. And hopefully once baseball is over, we'll get back to that trusted time slot that you're all used to hearing the Golf Insiders but if uh, you're not used to hearing us and it's a Thursday night and you're on your way home, sit back and enjoy an hour of intelligent golf talk. We've got a packed show tonight. Um, just a tremendous, tremendous win by Patrick Reed at Augusta National on Sunday, taking home the green jacket, looking pretty in azalea pink, and uh, hats off to... Patrick Reed for an outstanding finish while being chased from behind and the likes of Jordan Spieth almost making a historic comeback from nine shots uh, as he started his round on Sunday and uh, went on a on a birdie fest on 12-13, sank that 33-footer on 16 on the par three and uh, tied it up. But uh, ran out of holes. Patrick really having to uh, make those pars coming down the stretch. But he was fearless and tough as nails. Uh, Captain America, such a bulldog. Ricky Fowler having a fantastic Masters, his best finish. And uh, making that putt on 18 to uh, put a little bit of heat on Patrick as he was closing out the last couple of holes. But close he did and we've got a great lineup of our golf insiders tonight who were up there at augusta to give us their comments and and uh, perspective on the 82nd masters meanwhile up the road we have the rbc heritage going on at hilton head south carolina and uh, this is the 50th anniversary of the heritage of course, we go from green jackets to plaid jackets, and in honor of the 50th anniversary, they even painted the famous lighthouse at Calabogie Sound in that famous tartan plaid. Here are the results of round number one. Rory Sabatini shot a 7 under 64 to take the lead. John Huh, huh minus 5 with a sweet little 66. Billy Horschel. Also, minus five. And Matt Kuchar. Does he love this golf tournament or what? A former champion, minus five, along with Chesson Headley. So, uh, really a great, great group of guys that are in the field. 
coming off the Masters. You've got, got Shan, uh, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau in the mix, Charles Howe third, Jonas Blix. So we've got a lot of, lot of golf to talk about. Even Dustin Johnson's in the field. So another great tournament coming on the heels of the Masters. We want to waste no more time. We've got a loaded lineup of our golf insiders tonight. And our first uh, leadoff insider is our good friend, past president of the Golf Writers Association of America and the former editor with Golf Week, Jeff Babineau, who enjoyed a beautiful week up there in Augusta National. Hey, Babs. Hey, Holly G. Well, I think you looked awesome in that azalea pink under the green jacket <laughs> on Sunday. Not the usual yeah. tiger red, but, you know, he put that aside for... A little extra mojo, I think. I think upon Patrick Reed, I might replace that Sunday red. That that worked out okay on Sunday. That that magenta shirt he wore. I guess he only let Tiger wear the uh, the blood red Sunday shirt, but Patrick Reed did okay. He sure did. Um, you know, we're what four days now past the Masters. Uh, you know, a lot has been said. Uh, I think it's certainly sunk in for Patrick now that he's done his whirlwind tour around the Big Apple and appeared on Jimmy Fallon and uh, went to the Stock Exchange and this year managed to not break the gavel. But your your thoughts on, on Patrick's win? It, you know, as always, this, this Masters did not disappoint. It never does. But we know there were just so many storylines coming in and some surprises in the end. No doubt. It, it never does disappoint. And, and Sunday shaped up as a potential two-horse race with Reed and Rory McIlroy, and we didn't get that. I mean, we had some great charges from the pack. Uh, Jordan Spieth was incredible. You know, Ricky poured it on late. Uh, looked like Rory was going to put the pressure on early. So he had a little bit of everything. And there was Patrick Reed, you know, just kind of withstanding all the storms coming his way. He was steady. He had gotten the par fives all week long. Uh, did a lot of his scoring there, 13 under through three rounds. Then on Sunday, those birdies dried up on the fives, and he had to find them elsewhere. So he made some big birdies down the stretch. He made some big pars down the stretch. And, you know, this gritty guy that we've come to know in the Ryder Cup uh, kind of showed that grit in the individual event, and it paid off in a big way. Yeah, we've, we've talked about, and there's been, you know, a lot written about, um, you know, Patrick, uh, you know, loving adversity, um, wasn't the wasn't the the pick of most of the pundits on Sunday, and that seemed to motivate him. In an interview I saw, he said, "That just fuels my fire." Yeah, he's kind of a player that always has that chip. You know, he's he's always had it. Uh, he went into the you know back to the NCAA days, playing for Augusta State and playing matches. You know, he played Peter Uline one year for Oklahoma State and. Everyone was picking Peter to win that. So that that stuff does drive Patrick, you know. He's been at this at a high level for a long, long time. Uh, this is his sixth, sixth victory out there. So, But it had been a while, and, and he really hadn't figured out success at the majors until last summer at Quail Hollow. He finally came through with a big result. You know, he finished tied for second there. I think it unlocked something. I think he learned you don't have to be perfect. A lot of these young guys think you have to play four perfect rounds to win a major championship. You really don't. You need to do what it takes to kind of hang around through three rounds and just give yourself a chance on that back nine Sunday. And he did that and he came through. 
Yeah, putting yourself in contention, that's what they talk about. And, um, you know, they say the Masters starts on the back nine on Sunday, but it seemed to start on number one in the tee box when Patrick hit it left into the trees and Rory almost shanked his driver, I don't know how many yards right off of, uh, you know, the right fairway. Uh, It was not a glamorous start. No, it wasn't, and, and the, the crowd was on Rory's side for sure, which was a bit strange. You know, here you had a player with Augusta connections. You, know, you think back to 87 when Larry Mize won, and that place was electric for the local boy, Larry Mize. Now, he was homegrown, you know. Patrick Reed came there later and went to college there, but it was definitely a crowd in favor of Rory who picked up a shot at one with a great par save, and then he knocks it to four feet at two where Reed makes – a par and you think that whole three shot lead is going to be erased in two holes. And I think had that happened, anything could have happened really. I mean, I, it would have been wild out there. It seemed like half of Ireland was out there walking with Rory. And uh, that was a big putty miss at two. It's like little momentum swings like that. Reed makes one on the next hole and now the momentum's back on his side. So it kind of works that way. And, and you had these late runs out there and, uh, Reed, he's just tough, man. He's tough. He, he made the pars when he had to and made some clutch par saves on the last couple of holes, and he got it done. It was huge for him. And some big birdies like that one that he made on 12. Huge birdie at 12. You know, all, all three of those guys at the top of the board, birdie 12. We don't always see that. We see train wrecks. You saw speed celebration when he just hit that green. And, and you know, uh, Reed got that last one at 14, which was key. That's a – Real slick green with a lot of movement. So to, to work a putt in there for three was huge. Uh, no, he didn't get 15. He just you know, needed to keep making those pars. I, I love the way Ricky hit some big shots into 18. You know, we, we wonder about that with Ricky. Can he hit those huge shots coming down the stretch? And he did. And he forced Reed to uh, make par at the last, and, and he answered. So, I mean, I think you had a lot of guys in the end, maybe outside of Rory, moving in the right direction. So even the guys who didn't win a green jacket could walk out of there with some some nice momentum and uh, knowing they really pushed Reed to the limit on Sunday. Speaking of 18, what a shocker. Jordan's tee shot, pulling it into the trees and barely getting it 150 yards off the tee box. Given how, you know, what a run he was on and we know him to be a closer, uh, that was really shocking. Yeah, it is and isn't. I mean, if you if you ever look up when you walk those, you're you're up there, and when you walk the back nine or some of those holes, you ever look? They trim one side of the tree, and the trees kind of lean. They kind of lean over into the fairway, so they're True. always kind of inviting, like a, like driving the lane in an NBA game. You know, there's some big guy waiting to swat away a shot. So and it is very it, narrow from that back tee. Yeah. So and people catch those limbs on 18, and it. That happens in uh, knockdown shots. It, it happened to him earlier in the week. You know, he didn't get home on that green in two. So that, that hole uh, kind of caught. He'll have to look at that. You know, it had been 12 in the past, but 18 kind of cost him this week uh, because on, on one day he had to make a great save to make bogey. And, and if he drives that ball in the fairway, we might see 62, tying an all-time major mark and, and establishing a new record at Augusta. So, it was magical. It just didn't have the uh, magical finish. So do you think Jordan is the guy now, the way Tiger used to be, where, you know, the guys are always going to have to watch him if he's in the rearview mirror? 
I think so. You know, they meet each morning with Carl Jackson, the caddy who helped Ben Crenshaw to two wins, and he talks to Michael Greller, you know. They talked about if they had a chance on Sunday. He says, hey, if you get to double digits, you never know. And and he did way more than that. You know, shooting 64 and getting the 13 under is amazing. Um, I, I think he is the guy. You know, he's been there five times, and five times he's had a chance. You know, there are people who've been there 25 times who haven't given themselves that type of opportunity at Augusta. So we definitely feel some synchronicity with that golf course and loves the feel there. Uh, I didn't know that we all knew he could take it as deep as he did on Sunday, but he did. And uh, he is a guy you go there and, and regardless of where that game is, uh, it's, he's going to be a factor. You know, there was I had a little hunch that he might do something like this and go really low. After his comment in the press conference about how he said, hey, you know, for the first time tomorrow, I can go out and play a stress-free round yeah. at Augusta. And I thought, look out, boys. <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't, it didn't end stress-free, that's for sure, which was a good thing, right? It was going to be his lone, like you say, stress-free round not around the lead, not really with a realistic chance. And he went out and made it happen. I, it was awesome. I mean, he just kept – the way he just kept charging and uh, we're all watching. I mean, I, I tried to walk with the leaders thinking they might separate themselves and, and I could stay with that group and really get a lot of flavor. But the way uh, Jordan was charging, you kind of had to, to pop back in and watch all these groups. And then, then it was Ricky. You know, Ricky's going to – if he had only – the only regret he must have from Sunday had to be not getting off to a better start. He's even par through eight, so he really didn't make much of a, an early move. And then he really started to make things happen. He, he hit some big shots down the stretch. And, and like we say, I mean, it's a matter of giving yourself those chances. If he keeps doing that, uh, the odds at least are in his favor that he's going to break through one of these times. But, you know, right now he also has to look around and see that all four major champions right now currently are – are younger than he is, so it's time to get going. You know, I, given uh, the, the amazing round that Rory had here in the Arnold Palmer on Sunday, and then that just strong finish on Saturday, uh, in his press conference, you know, he was kind of trying to pr- brush things off and saying, hey, the pressure's not on me, you know, it's on uh, Patrick, you know, to win his first major, but... You know, let's face it, Grand Slam. Come on, I I think he was uh, not. I I, I think he he was trying to uh, you know kind of posture or something that I don't know he was believing in. Yeah, I think those guys who make big bucks uh, giving people advice on their couches call that deflecting. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, he he did. He had a big day, and I, I read on Saturday. I loved it. He threw. It was like a. It was like a hot potato he threw right back in Rory's hands, you know. He said, well, maybe I am the favorite. I'm, the pressure is on me. I have a three-shot lead, sure, but he's going after the career slam. I mean, Rory's chasing a little sliver of history that only five people right now have a part of, and he only gets one chance a year. So if you do look back on Sunday, sure, there's just as much pressure on Rory, certainly, as Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed's going to have other chances to win majors, and and Rory just gets that one chance a year to add to that career slam. And, you know, Augusta would seem like the best fit of all, maybe, with it, the way he drives the ball and can work it right to left and, and all the shots he can hit. But each what? year he does he goes up down Magnolia Lane without that green jacket, the pressure's only going to get bigger. 
Absolutely. And I think it's going to be really fun now that uh, Reed's gotten over the hurdle to watch him in the rest of the majors for the rest of this season. We always love spending time with you, Babs, award-winning journalist and one of our good, good friends based right here in Orlando. Thank you, my friend, so much. You got it, Holly G. You listen, listen to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. More golf talk. Stay with us. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G., and we've got a terrific golf event coming up next Thursday, April 19th. It's a two-person golf marathon for ovarian cancer research, playing for a cause, taking place out at Red Tail. This is really a cool event. You get to play as many holes as you can uh, for the entire day. And... How it works is the entry fee is $500 per two-person team or $500 of team pledges. It includes four tickets for the Party for a Purpose awards dinner and auction, as well as player gifts, all-day golf, luncheon out at beautiful Red Tail Golf Club in my neck of the woods out uh, past beautiful Mount Dora in Sorrento. Uh, the two-person shotgun starts at 9.30. And if you're interested in finding out more about this very special event for a great cause, go to playingforacause.org. That's playingforacause.org. Go check it out. That's a lot of golf next Thursday, April 19th, Red Tail Golf Club. And we'll waste no more time with our next Golf Insider. We spoke to him last week. He is former. He was formerly with Golf World and Golf Digest. Now a full-time contributor to the Golf Channel. You saw all of his great special reports during the Masters with all that great coverage. Jaime Diaz on the line with us. Hi, Jaime. Hi, Holly. Well, last week, you Hi. know, there, there was a lot of talk that you know maybe that final pairing on Sunday would be Tiger and Phil. And what we got was uh, what, what, you know, appeared if you woke up uh, and had the calendar in the wrong place, a Ryder Cup matchup between Rory and um, uh, Patrick. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was its own uh, little, uh, you know, drama. And uh, it wasn't Tiger and Phil, but I think um, Rory in particular was probably the best story at the Masters in terms of his maybe winning the grand slam the career grand slam and so it was a great masters uh tiger didn't play as well as expected nor did phil but there's so many good players now and and as we knew uh going in i think it had been commented sort of by consensus that it there were more storylines potentially at this masters than any in memory so uh we got a good one uh probably patrick reed was not the favorite uh, choice in terms of uh perfect you know sort of uh 
I guess, marquee value, whatever you want to call it. I know criticism of Patrick, but you had Rory and you had Jordan Spieth and you had Ricky up there. So, you know, it was a lot of, it was a lot of, uh, you know, star power, but that, those guys all figured. So it was, it was a great Sunday. It was, it was a terrific Sunday. And uh, between, you know, Jordan's run and uh, almost, you know, going historically low, close to a 62, and Ricky having really one of his best majors, uh, you know, and, and I think all of us, especially having watched him play here at the Arnold Palmer, were really surprised with, you know, Rory sort of folding on Sunday. That's, you know, not usually his M.O., especially in a major. Well, you know, especially the way he putted at, at, the, at Bay Hill, that it just seemed like he found something honestly new in his game that was going to be a new element and a new dimension and, and maybe and maybe uh, the thing that would make him, again, the best player in the game. And it didn't hold up for whatever reason. Um, you know, he hasn't had a great record at Augusta, um, and he's had that trauma in 2011 on Sunday. So not to say that was a recurrence of it, but until further notice, uh, Augusta is going to be the place where he's most judged when he doesn't succeed and where he'll have the most glory if he happens to uh, to win to win it and, and complete that career grand slam. I heard a comment, I think it was on Morning Drive on Golf Channel, it may have been Dr. Gio uh, saying that there could be some scar tissue from that round that, uh, you know, that really Roy was enduring 18 holes of, of choking. I, I thought it was quite a... Uh, harsh statement. I think he had initially given him a C, you know, for his mental um, report card the, the before the Masters started. Uh, what, do, what are your thoughts on that and, and moving forward with the potential of having to win the Masters? Well, that's a harsh word, and as we know, uh, one that you use pretty sparingly among the players themselves because there's a lot of, uh, I think, empathy for how hard the game is and, and how very often under pressure, players don't succeed. Is that is that choking? I guess at at, at the uh, at the biggest uh, sort of degree it is. But it's, I don't think every time somebody fails under pressure, it's choking. I will say though that you know Rory seemed um, you know shaky uh, right off the first tee. That was a, that was a poor first drive, way right. And then, but then he hit some tremendous shots and just didn't capitalize. Well, certainly on the second hole, he had that, you know, four-footer for eagle after just an incredible second shot, you know, just stiff to the pin that you just don't see on a par five very often, but didn't make it, and it wasn't a very good putt. He didn't hit the hole. Um, then on four, he hit another laser long iron and did happen to make birdie, but then he gave it back on five. So there was a certain, you know, I understand Dr. Gio's point that uh, he just did not, have the the mental toughness the uh the sort of uh, serenity under under duress that you would get used to let's say in tiger's heyday or uh, what whoever wins it on a sunday at a major just happens to have but it's not easy to come by and i think rory's the kind of player that sort of plays a lot on emotion and inspiration and sometimes when it's going his way he goes lower than anybody but he also seems to be able to go go a little higher than others when he isn't going well and speaking with a guy who plays with a lot of emotion, the defending champ, Sergio, showing how cruel golf can be and the twists and turns in, you know, epic eagle 
in 2017 on hole 15, and then the 13 on, during the first round. How many times have you written the word octuple bogey, Jaime? I have not read. Uh, we were trying to figure out what it would be, and yeah, octuple is, is you know, obviously uh, quads, and but you don't get to the oct very often. <laughs> uh, so you know, to be eight strokes over par on one hole, uh, that was you know remarkable, and uh, you know maybe a little stubbornness on Sergio's part because he really didn't miss hit it that often. He just kept trying to, you know, cut it close, so to speak. That false front was was really punishing. Um, don't know what to say really, uh, other than. Uh, you it know, happens golfers, to it happens to the best, and that's happens. the cruelty of the game in those moments. It's the cruelty, but it's also you know a stubbornness. I mean, that was a tin cup sort of moment. You know, he just was not gonna. He was angry, obviously, especially after the second one. And I think he just said, you know what, I, I've kind of blown the Masters anyway, and I'm going to hit this shot the way I want to hit it, no matter what. And uh, you know, I mean, that's not the most uh, you know wise course, but. Golfers have emotion. Even the best golfers, and Sergio's been known, you know, to let his emotions occasionally take over. So I think in his case, he was a little more vulnerable to that sort of reaction. But uh, you know, and what and a di- right. what it's a also difference! The cruelty of a of Augusta. Yeah, and what a what a difference owning a green jacket can make. Because I think I've never seen uh, Sergio handle something so mature and matter of fact after the round. You know, you're right. I, I think there is a certain, you know, I'm, everything's gravy from here on in here. And uh, so he was upset in the moment, but he didn't carry it like he has in the past. I think he has pretty good perspective. Last question for you, Hami. I'm curious, you know, a lot of times we talk about when somebody, you know, finally wins that first major. Do you think the floodgates are going to open for Patrick? And I think he's somebody that could be a multiple major winner. I agree with you. I mean, I, I think he's an exceptional putter and chipper. And that always bodes well in majors because you've got to say par at majors. No matter, you know, how good you hit it, you're going to miss greens because of the setup. He's probably underachieved, uh, I would say, the last two years. After winning at the WGC at Doral, he looked like a guy who can take off and, and win a lot, and he hasn't. And then, of course, the Ryder Cup, he, he loves big, big moments. So, you know, I think he's just got to get a little straighter off the tee. And uh, that's really his, his, his issue in majors. He knocks it in the rough uh, more than he needs to, when I say needs to, more than a guy who's not real long can. But if he gets straighter, and I love that he sort of added that, that fade to his game. We saw that Whirlybird finish look like Arnold Palmer. That takes a lot of talent to bring something into your game like that at the highest level, at actually late in his career. So, I mean, relatively speaking, to add something that late. So... I just see a guy who's getting better and uh, with a lot more confidence, obviously. He's always been confident, but you have that major under your name and you know you can do it, you know, at the very highest level. Absolutely. Going to be fun to watch Captain America now on the top of his game and uh, a green jacket in his closet. Jaime Diaz with the Golf Channel. Great to have you on the show and just thanks for all your great reporting all week. You guys uh, were just wall to wall and giving us golf fans so much great coverage thanks so much thank you very much holly take care you're listening to the golf insiders 96.9 the game more golf talk stay with us hey harry thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us well that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you that's just the way it is 
Don't play at pebble, won't pay the price. I love my Muni, I think it's nice. It's good to just make part. We're back, the Golf Insiders. In the house, Holly G, as we wrap up uh, the Masters, the 82nd Masters, and uh, also look forward to the RBC Heritage, which is uh, teed off today, the first round, and uh, celebrating its 50th anniversary. want to remind you of a really great event that's happening next week at Red Tail Golf Club, Thursday, April 19th. Sort of a very unique event, a two-person Team Golf Marathon to benefit ovarian cancer research. And it's a shotgun at 9.30. You get to play as many holes as possible. Uh, It's a two-person team, $500 for the team or a a, a total of team pledges. It includes uh, four tickets for the party for a purpose, awards dinner. There's a big auction, all kinds of great items to bet on, players' gifts, all-day golf. Can't beat that, and out at beautiful Redtail in Sorrento. Um, if you want to find out more about this great tournament, go to playingforacause.org, playingforacause.org. Come out, out the money to benefit ovarian cancer research by the Florida Hospital Cancer Institute. We will waste no more time and bring in another one of our favorite golf insiders, assistant editor for Golf Week, who was... Also up at Augusta, enjoying all the azaleas, Kevin Casey. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Holly. How you doing this evening? Doing, doing well. So, of course, we've been talking all about Patrick Reed's big win. Uh, I'm curious, what, what did you think about Tiger? He ended up tying for 32nd, uh, I think shot 69 on Sunday. I think there were, you know, were a few pundits saying maybe it was a mistake to skip the Houston tournament that – you know, really, right now he he needs to just kind of relearn. He's how to how to compete. You know, he's he's been out of the the heat, even though you know he had these great tournaments at Valspar and of course at the Arnold Palmer. But um, you know, again, being able to being able to close on Sunday and of course this was a major. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was not his best week by any means, and. Ball striking wise, his iron play was terrible, and he said it himself, so I'm not editorializing there. I, I just don't think we need to overreact from this one week. Yeah, it wasn't very good, but one, he did make the cut, and T32, not what you want with Tiger Woods or what Tiger Woods fans want, but it's not a catastrophe. He's not shooting 85 out there, so it was definitely underwhelming, but it's one event, and look, that happens in golf. I mean, you can be going along really well and have one bad week, and if it happens, I mean, Phil Mickelson um, in 2011 won the Houston Open the week before the Masters and then had a horrible Masters, and he turned out just fine afterwards. So, I mean, I, I just think people just shouldn't overreact from that one week. He still played a lot of good golf this year so far. It was his first major in three years. I mean, Tiger feels pressure, and like everyone else, he just, he just handles it the best. But, yeah, I, I would just talk about the one bad week and just kind of getting back into it. So he should be fine. I mean, you just get right back in the competition, and overall, his comeback has been a success so far, regardless of what happened at Augusta. And what what were your you know thoughts being up front and watching him, uh, you know, round to round? I, I still, it seems to me that you know Tiger is 
you know, he's a new Tiger, even in these moments. Uh, now, you know, his first major, just, you know, really enjoying being back at Augusta, like he said, instead of just uh, coming out for a couple of days to, you know, uh, eat dinner, as he said, before the, the competition started. But there just, again, seems to be a, you know, a lightness and a more joy, and it's good to see. Oh, for sure, yeah. It definitely seems like it's a kinder, friendlier Tiger nowadays. You know, the practice round pairing with Phil Mickelson kind of blew up the internet a little bit. I was just kind of that was crazy. <laughs> I felt yeah, like I felt yeah. like we had the Masters before it even started. <laughs> yeah, we all had some fun with that one, and uh, it was a good practice round too. I think Phil made five straight birdies in that practice round, and Tiger made two eagles in that practice round. So. They put up some firepower, but yeah, I mean, it goes to show that, yeah, it's a kind of friendlier Tiger, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure he didn't enjoy finishing P32, but um, he seemed to enjoy the week overall, and yeah, not a great finish, but overall, definitely a kind of friendlier Tiger. Well, I, I was rooting for the 40-somethings last week. They were they were my picks, and um, I, I'm curious, what, what was going on with Phil? You know, he was kind of scratching his head on um on Sunday, you know, just saying he, he just didn't have it. It seemed like it was just one of those weeks. But it was surprising after the way he started out in the practice rounds. For sure, yeah. With Phil, he's just so unpredictable. I actually said the thing before about him winning the Houston Open in 2011 and then doing horrible in the Masters. I think he finished like T30 that year. It was the exact opposite the year before. Um, his former caddy, Jim Bones, Akai, said recently, the way he played in Houston the week before he won the 2010 Masters was some of the worst golf he's seen Phil play in a long time. So, but Phil, I mean, you just never know. He can have horrible form and then win or have awesome form and just completely just not be a factor. So he's just so unpredictable. Who knows? I mean, he, he won for the first time five years a few weeks ago, so Phil fans should be fine. Was, yeah, he just didn't feel it this week. And, you know, the thing is, he actually said he only hit one good shot this week, which is kind of surprising because, he didn't have it this week, but he was one off the lead early in the second round. So, I mean, maybe he didn't have it, but he had it for a stretch. It was just the big numbers that kind of killed him. He had a triple bogey in the middle of the second round, and then from there he kept putting up big numbers. So, I mean, it was there. He just kind of kind of faltered a little bit in the second round. I just don't think ever recovered out of, you know, his mental edge there. You know, a lot of people were rooting and, and uh, betting on Justin Rose, especially, you know, after last year. Uh, perhaps this was, you know, his time. And also Justin Thomas, were you surprised where they finished? Um, not totally. Um, Justin, I mean, they still finished just fine. Justin Rose, I think, finished like T13 or T12 or something. Justin Thomas was in the top 20 as well, I think, too. Thomas had never really contended at Augusta before, so his doesn't surprise me much at all. It takes some time to, for, well, besides, unless your name's Jordan Spieth or Tiger Woods, it takes some time to contend at Augusta usually. So he didn't surprise me. Rose, I guess I would have expected him to finish a little higher, but G12 isn't too bad. I mean, you know, he's it's still a top 15. It's still get, you know, he he, he would have gone back to Augusta anyway, but that automatically gets you back to Augusta top 12 and ties. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not too surprised for you to show him, but I am a tiny bit surprised Rose didn't finish higher. It wasn't really a factor on Sunday, but yeah, that's major championship golf. I mean, you have all the favorites going in, but it's golf in the end. It's unpredictable. It's tough to tough to be at the top. And that's why we love. The Masters, particularly when you hit the back nine on Sunday. Before we let you go, Kevin, uh, we've, as I said, the RBC Heritage 50 years anniversary happening this week and weekend. Uh, again, a pretty good field over there in the hunt right now. Roy Sabatini posting a 64. You've got Billy Horschel, Matt Kuchar at minus five. 
and uh, a bunch of others in in this in this field. Patrick Cantlay, Charles Howell the third, Bryson DeChambeau, even DJ. What's he you know hitting two irons around that course at Hilton Head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, it definitely, uh, definitely neutralizes the uh, driver for him a bit. But he you know, shot 269, so he's right in it through round one. Yeah, definitely uh, always a great event, always a cool course, Harbor Town. Really surprised, the big surprise to me from day one was Luke Donald shooting 5 over 76. He basically needs to shoot 66 tomorrow to make the cut. This is a guy who has five runner-ups and two-thirds in his last nine years of this event, so that was a shocker. But uh, otherwise, it's a, it, was a, it was a good day one there. Absolutely. So who are you picking, my friend, to uh, put on the plaid jacket? Well, the start of the week, um, I picked Webb Simpson. I'll, I'll stick with that one because he, he had a solid first round. Um, he shot 59. He's five back. And, you know, he's just been, he's been playing well overall. He had a good record at this course. So. And he had a good day on Sunday at Augusta. Yeah, final round 57, back-to-back Eagles. So, yeah, I just like where he's heading. And, you know, he put himself right in position through round one. 54 holes to go, five shots back. Just saw enough for me, so no reason to, to go off that now. Well, if you want to check out the best, some of the best coverage day to day in golf, go to golfweek.com. Kevin Casey, the assistant editor, thanks so much for spending some time with the Golf Insiders. Thank you, Holly. 96.9, the game. We'll be right back. an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. Wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk. Holly G in the house. I think we lost our music there for a minute. <laughs> Threw me off. Yes, don't forget this fantastic golf event that's coming up. The Golf Marathon for Ovarian Cancer Research happening next Thursday, April 19th out at Red Tail Golf Club. Benefits Ovarian Cancer Research. This is a, just a terrific event. You get a team together. You raise a team pledges of $500 or you cough up the dough yourself for your two-person team. You Play all day long. There's a fantastic after party and auction. Get all day golf luncheon at a fantastic golf course, Red Tail. And again, uh, proceeds to benefit the Ovarian Cancer Research by Florida Hospital Cancer Institute. For more info, go to playingforacause.org, playingforacause.org. And my next golf insider has been a longtime friend, always uh, full of good golf opines. Uh, based out in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's a former contributor to Golf Digest, Travel and Leisure, and many, many other golf publications, award-winning journalist Ted Johnson joining us tonight from beautiful California. Hello, Ted. Hello. How are we all doing in Florida? Oh, it's uh, that time of year. Absolutely beautiful. Good, good. Hey. There was a big announcement last week in the State of the State address by the new chairman, Fred Ridley, at the Masters. And you, actually, I must uh, give uh, kudos to, actually wrote about this in a blog for the Golf Insiders called The Inside Take. Check out our blog. Ted is a frequent contributor. 
And um, who knew? Now Augusta National to host the final round of a women's amateur event. And you and yeah, and you 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 called them out a year ago, saying, "Come on, Augusta, step up and lead the way." Well, as I said, they're a major golf organization. They have their own rules, though they borrow rulesmen from all over. They they talk about having their own equipment. They've talked about all kinds of things. They adopt the course to meet the needs of today's modern game. They are their own entity, a major influence the way the game is perceived, and they are the only major golf entity that does not have a women's component to its competitions. Now, they have had women play the course. They now have women members. But I always think it would be a great opportunity to have women play the course as well, the best women in the world. And I just hope the LPGA is already pinging Mr. Ridley about turning that amateur into an open. And let's how great would that be? Play that one. Let's have the world's best play that one. Why not? And I think it'll be. I think it'll happen in the next five years. So, congratulations to Augusta National for stepping up and getting a little more modern. I think that was very nice. Well, the new 54-hole stroke play tournament will be played the week prior to the Masters, with the Saturday final round conducted at Augusta National. They'll play the. Yep. Uh, they're playing the other two rounds. I, I wasn't familiar with the course. Uh, Champions mm-hmm. Retreat Golf Club, n- nearby in Augusta. Sure. And yeah. the event is going to be televised, and daily tickets will be to be made available through a, a random selection process to be announced uh, sometime later this year. But you know, sure. we know the success of the drive, chip, and putt, and how exciting that's been. With that, you know taking place the right. Sunday prior to the Masters, and that the club has really taken on several Grow the Game initiatives, including amateur events in Asia and South America. So, Correct. you know, this is, this is really, you know, sort of the heart and soul of, of Augusta National. And this is my recommendation for Augusta National, as well as for the LPGA, is the LPGA adjusted schedule to adapt to Augusta National for this. It would be such a big thing. Again, it would achieve worldwide uh, recognition. Um, and Augusta National, I would say, just please put uh, two weeks between the two events, make it a full open. I do know that Augusta National is very picky about how the course looks. And so when a bunch of pros, 100, actually only 90 pros, go through for seven days and chew up the course a little bit, they want the course to recover. We understand that. In other words, they don't want too many divot holes. So let the course recover in two weeks and then have another event. Again, that's what we hark back to the 2014 U.S. Open at Pinehurst, where the event was played two weeks apart. And I thought it was wonderful because people can actually compare men and women. It's a, it's a, it's a statement of equality that women are capable of playing golf courses like this. Of course, not the same yardage, but that's not the point. It's the same challenges in terms of shot making, controlling your emotions, knowing the golf course. So it'd be just as dramatic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to hoping this event grows into something a little bigger. But, again, it's a crack in the door. It's open, more people, and we get to see more of the golf course. So good for us. Absolutely. Well, uh, speaking also about Augusta, uh, Patrick Reed, the you know hometown uh, guy, winning yep. his green jacket. And uh, I know you and I were talking earlier today, uh, you know, I think, as as has been reported, that, uh, you know, the crowd maybe wasn't as 
in favor of of Patrick being the uh, the winner in the end. But you know, I'm I'm a big fan of Patrick Reed. You know, he's gutsy, he's gritty, he's a fighter. You know, he's he's had to do it the hard way. He got bounced from the University of Georgia, then he goes over to Augusta yep. University and he leads them to two NCAA titles. He had to qualify on you know Monday qualifiers to get into you know the yep. P- PGA Tour events. You know, there is nothing tougher. And then, you know, was it, I guess, Doral five years ago when he came out and said, I'm a top five player in the world. You know, that takes something. <laughs> He's, you got to love his tenacity. Yep, I do. And you, uh, the other thing about golf is that you can't play defense. You don't get there unless you make the putts, you hit the drives, you know, you show up and you perform as you have to. And he's done that. So he, he's a winner. He may not be very popular among his pros. But part of it also may be, especially, I think, in the junior golf, the high-level high junior golf world, it can get very clicky. And so when people have a little bit different personality, you don't fit in with a certain group like the University of Georgia golf team, you can get a reputation or people can uh, spread rumors about you. And it can be unfortunate. Of course, all of that ends when you win a Masters in your hometown. At the same time, I think it would have been a more compelling story if CBS and the Masters expanded their coverage and had people in his house, I mean, a a camera crew in his house, showing his parents, watching their son win one of golf's most prestigious prestigious events, but they can't see him. And you add a a lot more quality and complexity to the story, and he still wins. It even makes it a more compelling achievement one of true human um, issues. It's not the glorified, piped-in, bird-sound impression we often get in the Masters. This is the world. And I wish that we'd have seen a little bit more of that. Yeah, as has been reported, he was estranged from his parents, uh, I think, for about the past six years. But, you know, I think we've come to love Patrick, again, watching him in the team competitions, you know, in the Ryder Cup, in the President's Cup, Watching he and Jordan team up is one of the most formidable uh, twosomes in in team competition match play, which you gotta mm-hmm. love. And uh, at the end of the day, you look at their friendship and uh, just uh, just the way just the way Patrick goes about playing golf. You know, we 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 don't need every single one of those players looking the same. Uh, we need no. good stories, and I I think this is a great one for golf, and we're gonna have fun watching him in the future and the older generations if you go well this is what the day back in the days well okay you know who patrick reed is he's raymond floyd who was rakish he kind of had a nefarious not a nefarious background but he he liked to have a good time and he had he was very good in uh in match play and it was a steely-eyed competitor and he wasn't the most popular there was ray floyd and you go back to the the adams brothers you go back to all these old pros there's guys like that even today you know we have our favorites like we do now, we have Jordan Spieth, we had Arnold Palmer, we have this, you know, we have the up-and-coming newcomer that he knocked off the king. Now, I have Jack Nicklaus. Well, now we have uh, Spieth knocking off Nicholson and those guys. So that, it always happens, and it's compelling to see. So people can, can relate to it. They just got to get to know them. But understand that, you know, the real world happens in the golf world as well. I mean, the real issues of life happen in the golf world as well. And this is an opportunity to bring it out a little bit more and, um, and understand that. 